0: Philippians chapter 1 will you stand for the reading of the word when we open the Bible amen we, we're understanding that God's presence and God's entrance is coming through hallelujah Philippians chapter 1 Philippians chapter 1 I want to encourage somebody today Amen. Tell your neighbor, the preacher, I want to encourage you today. Amen. I want to encourage you today. Psalms, Philippians chapter 1. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you all for being here with us today. Welcome to christ Center church. Amen. We appreciate all of you that take your time to come and be with us. Amen. But I pray today you come to give and not just to receive. Amen. We prayed yesterday at our prayer meeting that all of us will come to a place and understand that when we come to church and everything that we do, we're doing it unto the Lord. And if we do it unto the Lord, we will leave with something from the Lord because God will not have you to give without you receiving from him. But if we come and says, Lord, you got to give me something, it's possible you might leave with nothing. So we want you to come this morning. If you don't have anything to give, you have your worship to give. If you don't have anything to give, you just can just praise him and honor him because you're giving of yourself. He is responsible for your breath being in your lungs and you breathing. And so you give him all you can give him. He prefers you more than anything else. Amen. He's not into the material things. He's into you. Amen. And so you give him you. Don't give him anything else. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the Philippians uh, in in this verse here. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. For your fellowship. He's thanking them for their fellowship. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Then Paul went on in verse 6 to saying, being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He that had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I want to entitle this message today, No Unfinished Business. No Unfinished Business. Jesus, one more time, will you just do what you want? And will you help us today? And that we will not leave here today disappointed, that we will not leave this place empty. But God, we will be full of your blessings and full of your strength and full of the promises that you've already made. I pray for the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost to do exceeding, abundant, above whatever we can even ask or think in this very service today. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. No unfinished business. Amen. Brother Teddy, it's good to see you, Julius. Good to see you. Amen. It's always good to have you with us. Always good to have you in church. We thank God for you. I want to tell you this today, that uh, sometimes living for God, doubt creeps in. I'm learning as I go along with you. Our church is uh, kind of sort of like two years old. We started Bible studies in April of 2014. We kicked off our worship service October 2014, so I guess I can say we're, we're about two years old, if you want to look at from the time we started teaching the Word of God in this place. And so I'm learning as I go along as a pastor. I've, I've watched it from afar. I've watched it close up. And I've watched a lot of things. But one thing that I've learned just through my secular job is you can watch something and you can see it. And you may have some understanding of it, but you will never know it until you're in the very position. And so I'm in the position of a pastor learning as I go because it's only been two years. But one thing I've picked up on that's very important, and I picked up on it this week as God began to help me to put this message together, and that is what I'm feeling, the congregation is also feeling so it's, 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 it makes it easy for me to preach to you. And I'm learning that because all I have to do is realize, what am I going through? What am I experiencing the most? What are the challenges that I'm facing right now? And and, and when I can identify those challenges, I know what you're going through. Because the way the enemy works, our adversary works, is he will always try to destroy the head first and then come down. Because once the head is 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 no longer effective, then the body can't be effective. And so if the leader of the congregation is not in a good place, then the congregation is not in a good place. And so the enemy will always come after the leader to, to prevent the leader from being effective, and then he will seek to now destroy everything. So whatever you're feeling, you rest assured that most of the time, I've already felt it. And so because I've already felt it, I know how to minister to you as I go and work my way through it. And so the Lord rests heavily on my heart this week to preach this message, no unfinished business. Because most of us in this congregation had got to a place where we felt like there is no movement. There's stagnation. There, 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 I just feel like people are just, just, just trying to hinder me from being what God wants me to be. And so when you begin to feel like that, that's when doubt creep in and says, what is this all about? And you, you begin to worry about your commitment and you begin to get frustrated about what am I really doing? Am I really living for God? Am I really trying to serve God? And you begin to question yourself about a lot of things when things become stagnant. And so I know many of us in this church for the past couple of weeks might have felt like, ah, something is just not right. What is it? What's not right? What's wrong? And so I have to go before the Lord, and Lord, what's wrong? What What is uncomfortable here? What is uneasy here? What is that indifferent spirit that we're experiencing in the church so we can deal with it, that we can make our way past it? And so the Lord took me to Philippians chapter 1, and, and I started in verse 1 and read up to verse 6. And the very focus that he wanted me to see was the focus of What he said in verse 6, in in, in verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God is not a God to leave things unfinished. Do you sometimes feel as though you are not making progress in your spiritual life? You are praying, but seems to not feel anything. You're seeking God. You're reading your Bible. You're coming to church, but nothing is happening. Mm. You don't feel like there's any progress. You read your Bible, nothing. You even sometimes tell people about God. They don't respond. You just feel like no matter what you're doing... Nothing is happening in your spiritual life. And that's the time in your spiritual walk where you got to say to yourself, I am confident that he which has begun a good work in me, Will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God had to help me and to encourage me to let Him let me know I've begun a work in you long time ago, and I'm gonna make sure I see it through to the end. I'm here to tell somebody today that God don't start any project and not complete it. God don't start anything up. And just make it be like, well, you know, it's just, just, I'm just gonna leave it right there. God is not like us. And so we may start things and never complete it, but God don't start anything and not complete it. We may say, you know, I'm gonna go on to college and never do it. I'm gonna finish high school, but never do it. Uh, we might even start some project around the house to improve our home, uh, but never do it. Uh, we may say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give my life to God and live for God, but before you you know we find ourselves? Not living for God. We are people that will start things and not complete it. And so when we are going through in our Christian walk, it's easy for us to think that God is through with us. Help me today. And so you don't want to be walking with God and get to a place where you start to think, may God may be through with me. God, 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 I haven't felt you and you're not doing anything. I wonder if God is completely done with me is he just leaving me the way I am or is he gonna work in my life some more and so we have uh, this this feeling of doubt now like what's going on here Lord but that's because we are accustomed to sometimes not completing things because we live our lives sometimes of starting stuff and stopping and never getting it done oh you know I'll do that and we start doing it today and we never get back to it We never finished it, and so it's easy for us to go into default and thinking God couldn't do something like that. Well, I'm here to tell you today, God can't start anything and not complete it, and that includes you. When God called you, when God saved you, God started a work in you, and he's going to see that work through to the very end. God will help you grow in grace until He complete the work He started in your life. When you are discouraged, remember that God won't give up on you. When, when you are just down, you gotta remember God will always keep His promises. When you feel incomplete or unfinished or distressed by your shortcomings, remember, God has made a promise that whatever he starts, he will finish. And so your your, your present situation should not dictate how you should live and how you should feel because God won't give up on you. The devil will come and whisper in your ear and say, yeah, you thought that God was going to use you and you thought that God was going to work in your life. And you thought you were something in God. Hey, but you need to tell that devil, I don't care what I feel like. I don't live by my feelings. The Bible says I walk by faith and not by sight. If God made promises to me, he is God enough to keep those promises. And I can't let my emotions and my feelings dictate if God is through with me or not. Because he's not through with me. God ain't through with you. Don't let the enemy of your soul tell you, man, you might as well stop going to church. It's not doing anything. Uh, You might as well just chill because it's not helping. Uh, You better tell that enemy, uh, I'm going to do my part. See, that's the part we got to realize. The only way we don't make it is if we stop doing our part. The enemy of your soul knows that the only way God's work cannot be completed in your life is if you decide, I'm done with this. If you decide, later for church, what is it doing anyway? I done heard most of what he said. Whatever he's going to say, I heard that before. You know, I laugh at that because, you know, if whatever the preacher said, you heard it already, you should look in your life and says. How effectively am I practicing what he's been preaching? That, that's it right there. And guess what? I'm going to keep being repetitive. And when I'm repetitive, just ask yourself, am I doing what he's saying? Do you move on from your children when you tell them to do something and they haven't done it? Do you just say, all right, don't do it? Or do you say, oh, you're going to do that today. Oh yeah. You don't let your children, you don't let your children just, 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 you tell them to do something and they don't feel like doing it. And you said, okay, it's okay. No, they're going to do what you tell them. And you don't move off that till they do it. And so somehow we want to believe that we can come to church and the preacher preach and you says, all right, oh, okay. And next week you come back and you hear some of the same stuff and you want to say, but I heard that last week. Well, what did you do with what you heard last week? So we have to make sure we repeat ourselves. Go to when you were in school, your teacher repeated herself or himself all the time because that's how we learn is through repetitiveness. You want me to help you again? When you watching your TV, look at the same commercials. Don't come over and over and over. Do you get new commercials every time? It go to a commercial break. It's so bad that they, they, they got me hooked. You want me to tell you a little secret? So I stream because I don't have TV. So I stream on the internet, right? So. I'm streaming the NBA games sometimes, and so I'm streaming, and I'm looking. And they got this commercial that always come on. It comes on all the time when the NBA game's on, um, brother, t- brother Tony. Every time they come on. Which, which commercial is that? One of the basketball players looking like a baby rapping. <laughs> you know what y'all talking about? Y'all know you watch it. What's his name? Um, guy from Portland, little point guard. But but they got him a grown man head with a little baby body, and he's rapping. And every time it goes to break, it's the same commercial. Till this, till now, guess what happens? I'm looking forward to it, because it's weird. You got to see it. They had these these people with these little kids body with the grown man head, and you're like, what is that? And when you first saw it, it just looked weird. But they kept showing it, kept showing. It. I'm like, that's funny. And all of a sudden, I want to see it. So. If the commercials on TV are being repetitive, why do you think they doing it? They're trying to get it into your spirit. They're trying to get it into your heart so you begin to live your life according to it. And so it's so with the word of God. It is so with us coming to church. It might seem repetitive and it might seem like, what is this doing anyhow? But the only way it's going to work is if you keep coming and I keep saying the same thing over and over until we all say, you know what? I got it. I'm going to practice it and I'm Gonna do it. It's like my wife, she got a lot of pet peeve when it comes down to house stuff, Cheryl. But one of her pet peeves is she hates when I leave my closet door open. And so she did it enough, 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 till now I'm conscious. Walking out the the room, closet door. <laughs> because Repetitive things, doing things, hearing things repetitively is how you learn. Don't you get frustrated with repeating. I'm not going to get frustrated repeating myself about the word of God because that's how God's people will learn. Just keep on repeating it. But we must realize that sometimes it's going to feel like nothing is happening. You're gonna be saying it and nothing is happening. Well, it's the same thing in living for God. You're gonna feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. But why it feels like nothing is happening? Why I can't feel God? Why I can't feel like God is working in my life? And God just wants you to know, don't you worry my child. I've begun to work in you and there's no way I'm gonna leave you incomplete. Whatever I said I'm going to do in your life, it will be done. You just stay the course. You keep doing what you're supposed to do. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you walk away. And the work that I started in you, it will be done. It will be done. God is not like us. We can't worry about those things. Oh man, you know, I don't feel him. Man, it's it's getting to that place now the more the, the more you can live disregarding your feelings, the better off you're going to be living for God. I got one amen. You know why? Because we all living according to our feelings. I just feel this way. Well, feelings get us in trouble more than if we just, you know what, let me just go with the word of God. Be confident in God. Tell your neighbor, be confident in God. Be confident that he... Who began a good work. Somebody say a good work. work. Not just any kind of work. So when evil is working, it's still a good work that he began in you. We think that because he decided to do a good work, everything is supposed to be good. Oh my goodness, can I tell you? Nobody told me that when I became a Christian that we would have troubles. I just thought when you become a Christian, everything will be good and we're just going to have this great life and we're just going to get to heaven one day, no problems, no situation. I'm just going to live for God and be joyful and everything be great. Nobody told me. It was going to be this challenging. And so when the challenges start, I'm like, whoa, 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 what is this all about? And so now we question the work that God said he was going to do in us, which was a good work. He didn't say he was going to do a bad work. When evil come into your life, when, when bad things confront you, don't you worry and think that it's God? God don't tempt us with evil. But always remember that people get jealous when you look like you're blessed. Oh, yeah. But they say the favor of God ain't fair. Now I ain't going to speak proper English on that one. The favor of God ain't fair. And so when God is doing that good work in your life, the enemy allow people to look at you and get jealous of you. Start talking about you. And then before you know it, evil is coming your way and you're worried about God. God has nothing to do with that. People are just allowing themselves to be used by the devil. You know, unfortunately, we live, uh, in a, as, as Christians, as we're trying to live as Christians, we, we hear all these different things. Don't, don't you let what people are saying. you got to know what you know. That's why all of this stuff is not all belief. People like to say, just believe. No, you got to know some stuff. And when you know that he who began a good work in you will see it through to the end, you don't have to worry about the evil that will come into your life because you'll say, first of all, this ain't him. And secondly is this can't destroy me because there's no way I can be destroyed if the work is not completed. Amen. How, how, how am I going to be destroyed if the work is not completed? But what you got to do is you first got to get in and get involved in being the child of God. And once you become a child of God, just keep on loving him. Just keep on worshiping him. Just keep on serving him. Keep on living for him. Keep on obeying him. Because he will not leave you or forsake you. The work that he started, it must be completed. It must be. Nothing can destroy you because God has started a work and God is not weak. He's not a weak God. There's nothing that can defeat God. There's nothing that can stop God. So when God started something, he will complete it. Don't listen to the voices of negativism. Don't listen to the voice that telling you, oh, you know, you never know. You might miss out on heaven. You never know. This might be it for you. You must be crazy. God started a good work in me and I look at me. Uh, I'm, 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 I got a lot of imperfection. I got a lot of stuff that need to be corrected in my life. You know what that means? Uh, the devil wants you to think that God is not working with you. Uh, but when you see all the issues in your life, just say, oh, I know he's got some work to do uh, and therefore the enemy will not steal my soul. The enemy will not destroy me because all of this, it got a lot of issues. It's a lot of work that needs to be done to this. The enemy wants to twist it. Oh, you're so messed up. He done with you. No, enemy. I'm so messed up that he's got a lot of work he ought to do in me. There's a lot ways for me to go. That's why I'm going to be here and I'm going to stay here and I'm going to keep on living for God. There's too much work left for him to do with me. Somebody say, the devil is a liar. Trying to make you feel like because you just have so much stuff wrong, want you to feel like God has given up. Oh my goodness. We talked about the Apostle Paul at Bible study this Thursday. And boy, oh boy, I'm telling you, you need to listen to that because the bottom line is this. uh, He was a mess when he met God. But listen, he just kept on uh, being submissive to the plan of God. He just says, God, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, And for him to have been such a mess uh, and to see what God has done through his life. Oh boy, I'm I'm positive in what I am doing uh, and what you're doing that we're going to be alright. Tell your neighbor you're going to be all right. You don't let stagnation make you feel like you're not moving, you're not going anywhere. The author and finisher of your faith is Jesus. And he is not through with you, so you got to trust him and let him keep on working in your life. You got to be confident in that. Somebody say amen. We must have full assurance that God will not begin a work in our life and leave it unfinished. Hallelujah. Help us, Jesus. When God began the work. Somebody say, when God began the work. When did God begin this work in me? Huh. When did God begin this work in me and so I want you to look at this God began a good work of redemption somebody say redemption, redemption. in us and he will carry it through to completion throughout our lifetime and one day we're going to stand face to face with him with a big smile saying my God we finally get to meet you face to face and it's going to be such a humbling experience to know he brought you through. God's work began in us when God became human. God's work began with us, stick with me for a second, when God became human. God did business in the Old Testament as a spirit. But remember, salvation and the church didn't get established until the New Testament when he died and he rose and then he ascended to heaven. And so that's when the New Testament church was established in Acts. So yes, we can go back and say, well, before I was formed in my mother's womb, no, he purposed for me to be saved before I was born. He purposed for me to have purpose before I was born. But the work of redemption, salvation started when he came into this world as a human. And so he came into this hu- this world as a human and he lived his life before us perfectly and never sinned. That's when it started. Then he laid down his life. He was crucified. No man took his life from him, but he laid down his life for us. And he was crucified. And then he was buried. And then... He rose, and then he ascended. That's the work that started all of this for all of us. So his work began then. His work began when we first learned about him. His work began when somebody taught you about who he is. His work began when someone invited you to church. His work began when you felt an urge to pick up the Bible and read it even though you didn't understand it. All of us here today have a testimony as to when God started working our life. We can look back now and see it, but back then we weren't sure what was happening. It could have been you picked the Bible up and scrolled through it and somebody told you, just go read Psalms and you didn't know what Psalms meant. But God had started The work in you then. It could have been that somebody says, Why don't you come to church with me today? And that was your first time really going to church. He started the work at that time. It could have been when somebody came up to you and said, Do you know who Jesus is? It could have started then, but today I want you to know that the work that he started was from the cross, was from his death, was from his resurrection. That's when the work started for me. And you. That's when it got started. And so, the very first thing that's going to take for someone to really get God in their life is revelation. People have claimed to have given their life to God, but they didn't have revelation. What does that mean, preacher? It means... Somebody told you what was to do to get saved, but they didn't tell you who was the Savior. So when hard times come, you buckled. You stopped going to church. I can't say this enough. And some of you that really know Jesus, and I'm not belittling some of us that's still trying to learn him. I'm not doing that. But the ones that really know him, like a Sister Alan, let me just touch that so I can make myself clear. The ones that really know him, there is no way that anyone or anything can stop you from living for him. I didn't say you won't be challenged sometimes. I didn't say, you won't be weary sometimes. I won't, I'm not saying all of those things. What I'm saying is you're going to stand on sure as you can stand and say, I know that things are a little rocky. I know that I may not be where I need to be, but as sure as I know that is just as sure as I know God is real. It's just as sure as I know he's my savior. It's just as sure as I know he is my keeper and he is my deliverer you got to know him. That's why the very first thing for us is revelation. Sometimes it's not easy to get people to understand that because we like to get straight to it. What do I need to do to get saved? This is why some churches have come up with this whole just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart because they're catering to you. Because all we want to know is show me what I need to do so I can get what I want. That's how we operate. Tell me what I need to do so I can get what I want. And that's that's just not how God operates. I'm going to tell you the very first thing you need to know, because it's what's going to keep you long term. Know who Jesus is. Know who he is, because when you know who he is, when all the challenges come, you know who he is. You know when evil come your way, this God, this has nothing to do with him. You know that when you're weak and you're down and people criticize you and people make you feel terrible because they condemn you and they make you feel guilty, you're going to say, that ain't my God, for he don't make me feel condemned. He don't put guilt on me. All he does is get me to a place to make me repent and say, God, I just want to be closer to you. That's why it's important to know him. When you don't know him, you'll let a lot of stuff mess up your walk. But when you know, surely, surely, no matter what happens in your life, it says, hey, and you just keep on going. Because you realize who is greater than Jesus. If I leave him, where am I going? If I leave him, what am I going to do? Who can I connect myself with that's going to make me better off than when I went Jesus? That's when you know him, you can make that statement, though. When you know him, he says, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if everybody walk away from me. Jesus said he would never leave me nor forsake me. So if I don't feel him, it don't mean he forsake me or left me. It just means I'm going through something right now. That's why I can't feel him. But it has nothing to do with him because the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. So if he tell me he going to be with me to the end, then he going to be with me to the end. All I got to do is just keep on doing what I'm supposed to do. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So, he reveals himself. That's the very first thing that he he, he does for us. The Bible says that in in John chapter 6, verse 44, no man can come to the Father or, let me change it, let me go scripture, I don't want to quote in my words, John 6 says, no man can come to me, red letters, except the father which had sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. God drew you. You, When you picked up that Bible to read and you didn't know nothing about the gospel, God put that in your heart. When somebody asked you to come to church and you came, it wasn't because you wanted to come. It was because God had touched your heart, and that was his way of getting you to know him. That was his way of exposing himself to you so you can come to that place of receiving his salvation. When somebody told you about Jesus, it was him that told that person to tell. Let me tell you something that we don't understand. God dealt with me a little bit about this this morning. We need to make sure when God opens the door of opportunity, God Open the door of opportunity, you walk through it quickly. What happens is we don 't realize sometimes we want to do things and it and, and it's just i don 't know what it is it 's the forces of evil that 's around us. you want to do something, and you can 't get it done, and you're getting frustrated why can 't I get this done because you was you want to do it because you want to do it, and you don 't have the power to do it. we don 't realize that oh my god sometimes. When you feel liberty, when you feel freedom, when you feel like this is easy, it's not because it's easy. God has opened the door. And so a lot of times we think it's just us. Oh, I'm going to do this. There's times, listen, here's a good, good, good explanation. Fasting is always good. But there are times when I can just start fasting with no problem. And there's times when I'm struggling to fast. What does that mean? When I'm struggling to fast, that was my fast. Is God saying something wrong with that? No, but that was what I wanted to do. But when that fast come where I'm just like, oh, man, I can fast for 10 days, no problem. It means he had opened up that opportunity. It means he's doing something and he has made a way for me to be able to fast that long and not be affected because he is doing something. It's like even sometimes when, when, when we have sin in our life and we're wondering, why can't I get over this sin? And, and, and many times we don't get over the sin because we are not ready to get over the sin. And it's not until we're ready that God goes, and when you finally repent for real on that sin, you never go back. Because that was the favor of God. That was God being ready for you. We don't realize how God works and we don't see how he's working, but he is working. And so that God that began a good work in you, he is still working it out. And you don't have to worry about what is happening. Don't you let yourself, don't you let your feelings and emotion make you feel like God is not working. God is working. Tell your neighbor God is working. And so God started the work in you when he showed himself, when he gave revelation, when he says, this is who I am. And it's important for all of us to know who God is. And I say it all the time, that the God of the Old Testament, which was the unseen God, made himself visible in the New Testament, and his name is Jesus. And when you can think about that, all I can say is this. If I want to serve that God that was an invisible spirit that parted the Red Sea, invisible spirit that rained down bread from heaven, invisible spirit that did all these great, mighty works. And then he decided it's time for me to make myself visible to you. And He took on the form of human being and came among us and walked among us. He had emotions like we did. He hungered like we did. He cried. He had compassion. He had passion. And then he laid down his life instead of me dying in my sins. He let them kill him, even though he never did anything wrong he let them bury him in a tomb even though he didn't do anything wrong and then he ascended into heaven he rose one day and then ascended if you serve in a God that didn't do that go ahead and serve that God because I'm enjoying serving this God that I just described because you go find me somebody that can do what this God I'm describing never did and so when people try I'm going to mess up things now when people try to explain to me the Trinity I'm not going for it You want to know why I'm not going with it? That makes my God too easy. Sure. If the Trinity is really true, God didn't demonstrate power like I would like for him as opposed to him being one. Him being one says, oh my goodness, my God, he's amazing. Him being three and saying the father was on the throne and the son came down to do it. That's easy. I'm not serving that God. I'm not serving that God. You can serve that God. I'm not serving that God. Because he don't seem like he's powerful. Sending the sun to come down and do all that while he still on the throne? Nah, I'm good. I want to serve the God that created in the garden and that did business when you couldn't see him, but he spoke and you heard him and then all of a sudden he decided one day I'm going to become just like you because I was like you before you became like you. Because I knew who you would be because that's how I knew I was going to come one day. And so I got in my mind what I would look like. And so I created you how I would look when I come so I can be just like you. Oh, I don't even want to get into all that. But that's the God I want to serve. And so nobody can come to God except God draw them. Nobody. And so here is what it means. Maybe I can help you a little bit more um, about how God was the one that that, that really reached out to you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Let me stop right there. So now you understand that none of us did anything to deserve salvation. So it doesn't make sense that God will start up something in your life, because nobody asked him to start it up. He wanted to start it up. See what I'm saying, Brother Sam? Nobody say God started working their life. He decided he wanted to do that. And so because he decided, he's not like us. He's going to complete it. But here is how he worked. It says, for the grace of God, for by grace are ye saved. What does grace mean? It means an opportunity that you're getting that you don't deserve. So it means that when you messed up, you should have just died and went to hell. The very first time you disobeyed God, you were supposed to die and go to hell. Because that was the law that he established for every human. If you sin against me, you will surely die. So when the first time you sinned against God, you were supposed to die and go to hell. That's why none of us can take credit for being ever being saved because he says by grace. What he's saying is. I gave you extra time to come to the knowledge of who I am. I gave you extra time because you didn't deserve extra time, but I gave you extra time so you can come to the knowledge of I'm the one that died for you. And so it's by grace. So he gave you the extra time, but it says through faith. So he gave you the extra time so you can come to know him. He gave you extra time so you can get to a place of knowing him. Because faith is not just believing. Faith is knowing who Jesus is. And so he gave you extra time so you could know him. And that's how you receive the opportunity to be saved. It says, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you didn't do the work that was required for you to be saved. He did it. But then you had to do what he commands you to do. But the work was done by him. His death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. That's the work he did. And so because he did the work, now you must do the work. For we are his workmanship. Somebody said workmanship. workmanship. Oh, what kind of word is that? Created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God had before ordained that we should walk with him. See what I mean? He always desired for us to walk with him, for us to have purpose in him before we were even created. But the work of him starting the work in our life physically was at the cross. The physical work started at the cross. The spiritual work was that when he created all of us, he created us with purpose that we will walk with him and be with him. For we are his workmanship, mean that we are his making, that that is we are created or formed by him, not only physically, but when we become born again. This is why this thing is so challenging, because when we become born again, we have to learn how to live a spiritual life. Don't get quiet on me. We have to learn how to live a spiritual life. And the spiritual life, it's so uh, contradictory of the physical life. Physical life wants you to live by all your emotions and the spiritual life says you live by the spirit and not by your emotions. And so when we become born again, it's about living a spiritual life and not so much of a physical life. I'm almost there. So nothing... Can stop the work he began. Nothing. Can I give you one more scripture? Romans chapter 8. Verse 28. Our big quoting that we do all the time. And don't realize it. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. And so all things work together for good. I'm here to tell you today, don't fold up your tent and walk away. Because you just feel like things is not moving. Don't you get frustrated and says I'm done because things are not happening. Don't you be too hard on yourself. And I'm not telling you to live the way you want and don't care. All I'm saying is don't ever get so hard on yourself like you got this thing under your control. It's not under your control, but it's under his control. Your job is just to do what he tell you to do. But the, the, the whole uh, completion work is all on him. You can't complete the work. He has to complete the work. So when you get frustrated and feel like nothing is happening, well, maybe he feel like he just wants you to just sit still for a little bit. And when you become still, you become a target. So when nothing is happening, you are a target. But the Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh my God, what a verse. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so when we're waiting upon the Lord, I know the arrows are coming. I know the attacks are coming, but you got to know I'm going to renew my strength in all of this. But when the scripture says wait, it didn't mean to just sit and let people take pot shots at you. It means just keep serving the Lord. That's what I've learned. When, 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 when God is not doing, I just got to know what I'm supposed to do. When you don't feel God working, just ask yourself, what am I supposed to do? Do I just sit idle or do I do something? Do I do something? And even when, guess what? Sometimes you pray and you feel like, he didn't answer that. I don't even feel like that prayer got to heaven. Just keep praying. Why? Go back to that knowledge. Is he just in heaven or is he everywhere? So my emotions tell me, man, I pray it didn't even feel like it left my room. didn't even feel like it left the car. Oh, no. And so you're telling yourself all of these things, but God says I'm present everywhere all at once. So if I pray, I know he's hearing me. So whatever I'm going through that's preventing me from really feeling connected, I can't worry about that. I just got to make sure I do what I'm supposed to do. And let me tell you this. Don't you ever think the devil can destroy you? Don't you ever think that? Leave that alone. Leave it right there. Whatever he's whispering in your ears, he can't destroy you. The devil cannot destroy you. I mean, we have a lot of scriptures for it, but I'm just telling you, you think God's going to start a work up and then that old devil, that demon, that, 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 that one that didn't even have a devil when he sinned, you think he is going to interrupt and stop the work that God's, you think he can do that? You think God will allow something that he create to stop his whole progress, to stop his whole plan of salvation? You think that? You think that this devil that we talk about can stop God's plan of salvation? Can't do it. Don't you get worried about what's going on? All we need to worry about is obeying God. What am I doing? Obeying God. Because as long as I'm obeying God, the devil cannot stop the work of God. He can impede my progress temporarily. He can impede my progress temporarily, but remember what I told you. When the Lord allows Satan to impede your progress temporarily, guess what? The Lord is saying. Let me give you a little insight on the Lord. Yeah, he's gonna try to impede your progress a little. Boy, you're looking sharp there. They bringing these st- these shirts back in stock because I used to wear them when I first started coming to church. Stanley should know that. I used to wear these shirts, right? But but I, I thought they got played out, and but you know when, when these young people wearing that, it means it's coming back. <laughs> I, I got to go get me a new one. From back in the day, I used to wear those shirts with my jacket, no tie. I'm good. Yeah. But this is what God does. When the devil is going to impede your work, the Lord just smiles and says, "See, I know Eric, and knowing his personality, and knowing the plan I have for him, and knowing how I need to develop him." I'm going to let this little situation here stay in his life. I'm not just going to remove it. And that's where we get frustrated and not realize that God allows some of the work that the devil is doing. He allows it to happen in your life. And the reason why he's allowing it because God knows you and God is using it to make you better. God is allowing that work that the devil, whatever God allows for the devil to do in your life. Remember, God allow it. I don't have time to get into all of this, but just for some of you, remember when the Lord said to Satan that, have you considered my servant Job? You know what the first thing Satan said? You got a protection around him. That's what he said. Satan said, you got a hedge around him. Then the Lord says, all right, all right, all right, I know you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm just going to move the hedge and you can do whatever you want But you can't take his life. So that tells us clearly that God, whenever the enemy is giving us fit, you got to say to yourself this is big boy and big girl Christianity. You got to say to yourself, all right, show me how this is going to help me, Jesus. That's big boy Christianity. Show me how this is going to help me. Because if you're allowing it, it means that it's for my good. And we know. all things work together for good to them that love God and are calling. We can't quote these things and not live these things. So God show me why this is happening so I can learn from it because you're allowing it. And so you just go with it. Another secret. Let me, I'm just talking to you. Let me talk to you. Here's another secret of living for God. Use what he's given you. I, I can't. That, that, if. If you don't get anything else that I give you today, get this. Whatever God allow you to obtain, whether it's faith, whether it's strength, whether it's, 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 it's sound doctrinal teaching, no matter what it is, whatever it is that God allow you to obtain, don't keep it for yourself. Don't keep it because then you're defeating the purpose of why you went through that. You getting that? So if he lets you go through something, it's not just for you. Yes, it's going to help you to be better, stronger. But it's also so when somebody else come to you, you can encourage them. It's also when somebody else come to you, they will know that if God has done that for you, and the Bible says God is no respect of person, he's not going to prefer you over her. He don't, we do that, but God don't make, God, you know what we say? God make us all feel like we're the only child that he got and that we're very special. I don't know how he does that. You know, I don't know how He do it. How does God do that where all of us feel like we're special to him and we're the only one? <laughs> he's laughing all the time like, look at you all. It just means that he's just that good of a God that we all can feel like we're very special and we're the only ones and he's just taking care of me and I'm all good. Because that's how he makes you feel. And so whenever you go through something and it, and, it, and it gives you some kind of strength or it gives you some kind of inside understanding, use it to help somebody else and don't keep it to yourself. Because when you do that, then it won't be in vain that you went through that. Because God is here to try to help us all get to heaven. The God who has started a good work in you will see it through to the end. I'm getting ready to be finished, but I want to share this with you right before I'm done. So Romans chapter 8, 28, we read that. Look at Romans chapter 29. I'm going to read from 29 all the way to 35, and you'll see how good it gets. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So he says who he knew before was even created, he predestinated to become like Jesus. All of us in this room has already been predestined to be just like Jesus. Are you like Jesus yet? Good. I'm hoping that you said that. None of us are like Jesus yet. We have some some, some similarities. We have some things going, but we're not like him yet, which means the work is still going on. Somebody said the work is still going on. The work is still going on because we're not completely like Jesus yet. When we become exactly like Jesus, then the work would have been completed. And guess what I've read in the Bible? That it's not going to be till we get to heaven will the work be completed. The Bible says when we meet him, we will see him as he is. Did you read that in your Bible? You didn't read that in your Bible? It's when we meet him then we will see him as he is. We only know some of him. We don't know all about him yet. But it's when we get to heaven, we will see him as he is. That's when the work is completed. And so if we're not, if we don't see him as he is, he's still working. And so he had predestined us to one day be just like him. Because he knew ahead of time. Romans 3, um, chapter. Um, eight same same thing we reading thirty. Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called, and whom he called them, he also justified, and whom he justified them, he also glorified. Can I tell you what justification means? Cause we read and tell you who justified. It means that when when God says that he justifies you, when God says he justifies you, what he's saying is you're without fault. Do you have faults? Yes. Do you do wrong? Yes. But he's saying, what the work that I've done is justified, or it justifies you. You didn't do anything to get it, but the work I've done is what justifies you without fault. What shall we say then? Say to these things. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Come on now, we got to be excited about the work that he has begun in us. He will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. And so he's telling you, if I started the work, if I am for you, who in the world can be against you? They can be against you, but they can't stop you. They can be against you, but they won't get the best of you. They can be against you, but they can't stop the work I'm doing in you. The devil might not like it, but too bad. You know how we do. Here's another one. It ain't always the devil. Here's another one. There are people that maybe you, 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 you know, inadvertently offended. There are people that maybe you did something and they didn't appreciate it and they want you to pay. If God be for you, who can be against you? and yeah, they want you to pay like they God, this is why we got to stay in God because when you stay in God you'll all them people that want to pay you back because they mad because we always want when people do wrong they need to suffer let God take care of people suffering you, you, you stay out of that business you know this is why God said pray for your enemy because when God got to whip people it's not pretty so, there's no sense in me wishing bad on them because whatever bad I wish on them could never be worse than what God can do if He's really against them. And so, if God be for you, who can be against you? Doesn't matter who is against you. He that spared not His own Son but delivered Him up for us all. I love that. We got to remember that God. Oh, my God when he got to the garden and he was praying till his sweat became his blood and he was going through the whole process of giving his life for us, he went through. And I always say, he could have said, I can't do this. We don't think like that. We want to say, he had to do it. He God. No, he said, if this cup couldn't pass, let it pass. And so when he was going through, but what this is telling us is, If God says, if I went through all of that, you think I'm going to go through all of that and let anything stop my work in you? You think I'm going to let them nail me? You think I'm going to let them whip me? You think I'm going to let them put a crown of thorn on my head? You think I'm going to let them push a spear in my side? You think I'm going to let them spit upon me and mock me? All of that stuff and then start a work in you and not complete it? I did it all for you. I'm an idiot God if I did all that for you and decide I'm going to start a work in you and say, well, let me change my mind. It meant that he did all of that for nothing. That's how you're going to have confidence in him because he said, I went through, if he can just say it plain like me, he would say, I went through too much to let anything interfere with me and you. Oh, hallelujah. He said, uh, I went through too much. Uh, I'm not going to let anything interfere with our relationship. Uh, and what I'm going to do for you, nothing will interfere with it because I went through too much for you. You want the word back it up now? Watch the word back up what I just said. 33 says, who shall lay anything to the charge Freely give us all things. Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Every time Satan accused you, God said, I justified them. When I shed my blood, I justified them. Get out of here, devil. So he says, who in the world can lay any charge to any one of us? It is God that justifies it. See, it's God that says they have no fault. I don't care what you want to accuse them of. When they become mine, when they give their life to me, there is no fault in them. Because I did the work to justify them. Amen. 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 Who is he that condemneth? The devil. If we condemn each other, we're we're foolish. Because we can't condemn each other. Because God says, every one of my child Is justified. And so it says here, it is Christ who died. Only he can decide what happens to us. Yeah, and remember, he's not going to let anything happen to us because he did too much for us. So we say here in verse, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who make it intercession for us. Well, here we go. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Shall distress? Oh, God. God is letting you know for all that I've done. You think I'm going to let anything come between us? This is what he's saying. This This is what this verse means. And just like he is saying it, you should be saying it. He already says, I'll be the first one to say this. Nothing will separate you from me. Nothing will separate you from me. Now all it takes is for me to raise my hand and says nothing will separate me from my God. And that's why he gave us this verse and says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, what I say, we are Killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. He's saying, all of that stuff I went through for you. Nothing was going to separate me from you. When they wanted to kill me, that wasn't going to separate me. When they took my clothes off and embarrassed me on the cross, nothing was going to separate me. When they spat up on me, nothing was going to separate me. When I was praying and I felt the weight of the sin of the world, nothing was going to separate me. You think he went through all of that to say, well, I know I got you started, but you got to finish that up on your own. Nothing. Nay. In all these, we are more than conquerors through him that love us. He conquered it. You can conquer it. He conquered the death, the burial, and the grave. You can conquer this world because nothing shall separate us from him. For I am persuaded neither death, Nor life, nor angel, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God, and we shouldn't let anything separate us from Him. He started a work in you, and that work will be completed come hell or high water, come death, come anything. He says, I will withstand and do everything to save you, to complete the work I started in you. Now, all I want for you to do is agree with me. That's all he's asking. Can you agree with me? Can you agree with me that nothing will separate you from me? I've already shown you, uh, and I will continue to show you, uh, nothing will separate me from you. Will you do the same thing? I'm always connected to you. I will not let anything leave, separate us. I will not let anything come between us. Anytime anything come between us and God, just say, God, forgive me. Because it can't be you. You're not a man that you should lie. It can't be you. If I, if, if we're separated, it's not you, it's me. I, I I didn't make good on those things. I didn't make good on saying nothing will separate me. I didn't make good on what, what, what they say, neither height nor death. I, I didn't make good on that. I, I allowed something to come in my life, and I said... Well, 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 well. He can't be separated because he's already made that commitment and he will stay with us. The question is, will you make the same claim that nothing will separate me from God? The work that he has started in you, he will complete it. The work that he started in you, nothing can stop it from being completed but you. You got to go to these scripture that we just read and look at it. And every time something comes up that's trying to stop you from pressing through and saying, I'm going to obey God. You need to look at these texts and says, nothing shall separate me from my God because he's not going to allow anything to separate himself from me. The work that he started in me, he will complete it to the end. Will you stand? We have to be confident today that our life is fully in the hand of the sovereign God. That sovereign God who I'm talking about doesn't miss anything, He loves you with the same boundlessness with which He rules all creation. I know sometimes we want to think that God don't have all creation under control. But can I tell you this? we got to learn this. When you're in relationship, there's something you must do and there's something the other must do. And we have to realize who has to do what at times. A man and a woman that's married, they got to decide who does what but it's a relationship between the two and both have to decide that they have to contribute. And a lot of times we're making the mistake not realizing that there's some things that we must do. God is not in relationship with us and he's doing everything and we're just sitting around and just saying, yeah, God. That means he is our servant and we're just sitting up with our feet up. That's how we living. Oh God, will you do that for me? Oh God, can you do that? That's not a relationship. That's him that that's us being king and he being servant to us, queen and him being servant to us. But when you get in a real relationship, there's responsibility for both. And so a lot of what we must go back to today is look at what Our responsibilities are in Christ. Because a lot of times we're waiting for stuff from God. And God is saying, you're going to wait for a long time. Because I did the part that I was supposed to do. Are you going to do your part? And so the hold up is not him. He has done everything. He has given his life. Don't you give up and walk away because you feel like God is not working in your life. Don't you become nonchalant and stop seeking him or stop worshiping him because you feel like he is no longer working in your life. Don't you become unfaithful or non-committal and disobedient to him because you feel like he is no longer working in your life. For those of you who have been putting off giving your life to God, becoming born again of the Word and of the Spirit, don't you procrastinate anymore. It's something you must do. Stop waiting for God to do what you are supposed to do. That's the hold up. How can I get to heaven if I don't now obey what God has already laid out for me? That's my part now. He's done his part. And you know what I love about God? He is the one that initiates. You know how some of us are like, I don't know if you remember being young and you liked somebody. I don't know if you was the one that was the aggressor that when I went to them. Or you were like, nah, they got to come talk to me. I don't know which one you are. But remember, we, we, we never usually work out who is the one that will initiate. It just so happens sometimes. This one to initiate. But, but with God, he's always been the one to initiate. And so you never have to wonder about, is he going to do this? No, he's already done it. That, that's the point I'm getting at. So, so a lot of times we're waiting for God to do something. God is saying, no, I'm waiting for you because I've already done what I'm supposed to do. I've already given my life. I've already shown you that nothing will separate me from you. And so we don't need to procrastinate anymore in giving our life to God. We need to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And let me tell you this. Don't fool yourself. God has created us to the point where, this is what I love. Whatever you feel compelled to do, you do whatever you got to do to do it. I don't know if you heard that, so I'm going to say it again. Whatever we feel compelled to do, there's something that we feel like, I just have to do this. We normally do it. So don't look for excuses from God to say why you didn't do what you should have done. Because if you really wanted to, you would have done it. Nobody stops us from doing what we want to do. It all depends on what level of importance it is to us. That's what it comes down to. Where does this rank in my life of importance? How much of my emotion is behind this? Why I got to get it done. And that will normally dictate. And so no matter what your explanation is, no matter how much you can explain with a good explanation why you did or didn't do something, at the end of the day, it's on you. It's not on anybody else. Because I just preached to you talk to you about what God has done for you and nobody or nothing should stand between what you got to do for God he didn't allow anything to stand between him and you we shouldn't allow anything to stand between us and God what we're supposed to do we need to do because God has already done what he was supposed to do so it's you that God is waiting on He's not waiting to do something else. He's waiting for you. What God did was give you grace. What he did was reveal himself to you. He did all that. He died for you. He did all of that. The question now is, will you respond the way he wants you to respond? If you are struggling today, procrastinating with what you're supposed to do. I want you to come today to the altar. I'm going to lay hands on you and pray for you. And I'm going to pray that God will release you from your struggles and from the things that you feel like and know that you should do and not do. Today when I pray for you, you're going to feel the freedom to do what you know you're supposed to do. Don't watch the next verse next to you. But if you feel like that's what you need to do, you need to come and I'm going to put my hands on you and I'm going to pray. And I'm not going to pray any long drawn out prayer. I'm just going to pray, God release them. Whatever it is that you're supposed to do. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God release her. That she will feel complete liberty in her heart and in her spirit. To go ahead and do what you want her to do. I hear the voice of the Lord he said you must distinguish between you and him don't get it confused for what he wants you to do is not going to be comfortable what he wants you to do is not what you want to do you know it's right and you know you're supposed to do it he says but I'm going to give you the strength I'm going to give you the desire that you will do it. He said, when I open this door, I want you to walk through it. Don't you look back. Don't you be concerned about what's behind you and who you got to talk to and who you need to give advice to. And He says, just walk through the door because I'm opening it. You're going to feel total liberty to do what you need to do. Go ahead and do it. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God says, you know what you're supposed to do. You're trying to take your time. But what God wants to do in your life, don't you want it right now? Are you going to just do it as slowly as you can? Or will you just say, God, here it is. I give everything. Because I want all that you have for me. God has a lot that he wants to get.